On Sunday, Sunday, May 20th, 1956, this church, Kansas Christian Church, celebrated its centennial, celebrated its hundred years. The preacher that Sunday was a guest preacher. It was a, a Ira Langston, who was president of Eureka College, came and preached. And the sermon that he preached that morning was titled, A Church Adequate for Our Time. I find that to be an interesting title. A church adequate for our time. Yeah. Adequate. To me, it means satisfactory. A church that's acceptable. It kind of sounds mediocre to me. Adequate. Uh, it gets the job done. Our world here, 67 years later, we love superlatives. And to us, uh, we, are, we are contemptuous of the adequate today. We don't want adequate. Adequate is not enough. We want a church that is abundant. We want a church that, that is expansive. We want a church that is overflowing. Whatever you do, do not, do not greet me at that door today, shake my hand and say, well, Brett, that sermon was adequate. You're going to do that, aren't you, Tom? You're going to do it. Someone's going to do that. Adequate. And here we are, yet, yet here we are 67 years later. 67 years later, I can tell you the title of the sermon. I can't tell you what he said. I can't tell you what text. I have no idea what text he used. No one quotes Ira Langston's message. In all my years associated with this church, no one's ever come up to me and said, and I, Denny's dad or anyone else, I'll never forget what Ira Langston said. That one warm May day here back in 1956. No, no, one's ever, no one's ever said that to me. And yet here we are 67 years later. Here we are 167 years later because the Word of God endures. Because faithfulness endures. That, that seems more than adequate to me. So we've spent the last two months looking at Micah, this little prophet, this little preacher back in your Old Testament, little Micah from the little town of Morasheth, a little town made up of farmers and laborers. There's no one special in Morasheth. And yet today, all these centuries later, we remember Micah, we remember Morasheth because Micah's words have endured. That, those messages that he first preached to those little farmers in that little town, they continue to be heard today. We turn to Micah every year for Christmas when we sing of that little town of Bethlehem. We turn to Micah in our hearts, not just in our Bibles, but in our hearts when we remember Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah tells us what is Good, but you know, long before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, people were turning to Micah's message and finding hope not just in what he said, they were finding hope in Micah's faithfulness to God, his faithfulness to the Word. And so we're going to wrap up Micah today. But I don't want you to turn in your Bibles to Micah. 
Do not turn in your Bibles to Micah. Instead, if you've got a Bible with you, turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 26. If you want to use one of those blue Bibles in front of you, Jeremiah 26 is found, found on page 653. Micah, Micah looked ahead. Micah saw the unfaithfulness of his people. He saw where that unfaithfulness would lead. Micah preached, he prophesied, and he wrote predicting doom and destruction for his nation of Judah, for the capital of Jerusalem, and for the temple, the center of his faith, the center of worship found there in Jerusalem. Jeremiah lived a hundred years later. A hundred years after Micah, Jeremiah witnessed those things that Micah predicted. He lived through the destruction of Jerusalem. He wept over the destruction of Jerusalem that he saw. And yet, in one of his darkest hours, it was the words of little Micah from little Morasheth, this little town. It was the words of Micah that came back to Jeremiah in one of his darkest hours. I wonder if Micah felt adequate for the time. I wonder if, if he had any idea of the lasting impact of his message. And I wonder about us. Do we consider the lasting impact of our faithfulness today? I don't, I don't think we give it a lot of thought. I think we're more concerned about the needs of today, just what's going on today, the business of today. But what about those who come after us? Do we think about those who come after us? Do we think about them? I wonder, did Micah wonder about them? Micah, speaking in his days, things were bad. There were enemies coming against the nation. Uh, there were, the government was failing. Faith was dying. And then Jeremiah comes along a hundred years later and things are so much worse. And Jeremiah speaks out. He prophesies. He brings the Word of the, of the Lord and he calls his people to repent. Jeremiah 26, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came from the Lord. Thus says the Lord, stand in the court of the Lord's house. That is in the court of the temple, the center of worship, the center of of, of, of the life of their nation. Stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak to all the cities of Judah that come to worship in the house of the Lord. All the words that I command you to speak to them, do not hold back a word. It may be that they listen and everyone turns from his evil ways that, that I may relent of the disaster that I intend to do to them because of their evil deeds. Did, did you hear what God said? <laughs> Listen again to verse 3. It may be that they will listen. It may be that they listen, every one of them turn from his evil ways, and that I may relent of the disaster that I intend to do to them because of their evil deeds. Maybe. They might. I want to remind you this is God. This is God the all-knowing. This is God the all-powerful. This is God supreme, sovereign over creation. This is God omnipotent. This is God omniscient. He is all-knowing. He is perfect in everything that He does, everything that He says, everything that He intends. And He tells Jeremiah, let's give it a shot. 
You know, let's let's toss it up against the wall and see what sticks. Let's just let's just give it a shot and see what happens. It, it might work. It might not. And I got to tell you, I, I don't know what to do with a verse like that. I don't know what to do with a God, with, with, with an all-powerful, sovereign God who says, maybe. But here's what I think we can do with him. Let's stop being so worried about what is and isn't God's will that we end up just not doing anything. Let's stop being so worried about what is and isn't God's will that we're worried that we'll do something wrong, that we'll do something that's outside of His will. Because sometimes if we feel like if we don't know what God wants us to do, whether that's as an individual, with my life, with my future, if we don't know what God wants us to do with our families, if we don't know what God wants us to do as a church, as our outreach, as our mission, in our community, sometimes we don't do anything because we don't know what the will of God is and so we don't do anything and we're just paralyzed. And that's not faithfulness. And maybe more to the point, Mike has already told us what the will of God is. He has told you, O oh man, women, all of you, what is good, what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And maybe if we start there with those three things, Maybe we'll see where God takes us. And as long as we're doing those things, we are doing His will. So God gives Jeremiah a message. <laughs> they might listen to you. They, they might not. We, we don't know for sure. What's the message that God gives Jeremiah? Verse 4, You shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, if you will not listen to me to walk in my law that I have set before you and listen to the words of my servants, the prophets whom I send to you urgently, though you have not listened, then I will make this house like Shiloh. I will make this city a curse for all the nations of all the nations of the earth. He says, you have failed. You have not listened. And because of your unfaithfulness, judgment is coming. I am going to wipe you out. You know that little town up the road with all the idols, that little town of Shiloh? You've made it into a byword. You, you deride that town. You're going to be just like them unless you listen to me, unless you repent. Well, I wonder how that message went over. Verse 7 the priests and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord, again, in the temple. And when Jeremiah had finished speaking all that the Lord commanded him to speak to all the people, then the priests and the prophets and all the people laid hold of him and saying, you shall die. Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord saying this house shall be like Shiloh and the city shall be desolate without inhabitants and all the people gathered around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. And when the officials of, the, uh, of Judah heard these things, they came up from the king's house to the house of the Lord. They took their seats in the entry of the new gate at the house of the Lord and the priests and the prophets and the officials and all the people. This man deserves the sentence of death because he has prophesied against this city as you have heard with your own ears. So that escalated quickly. I don't know. It doesn't sound very, doesn't sound very adequate to me. We, we have this little booklet Several of you have copies of this probably in your home. We have this little booklet that was printed up for that centennial celebration back in 1956, I believe. 
It's just a little history of our church. It was actually written a little bit before that. This is a new copy that I reprinted on my computer. And I, I was reading through this again the other day, and what, what kind of fascinates me about this, I mean, it tells the founding of the church, it tells when the church started, why the church started, that, that's a whole story on its own right there, why this church started. But what fascinates me is I read through this the last couple of weeks, there's not a single sermon recorded in here. There's not a sermon text. In fact, there's no text of the Bible at all recorded in this little booklet. Instead, it's a list of names. It's a list of names of people who donated, people who sacrificed, people who, who, who gave to the founding of this church, to the building of the first building. It is a list of names of Sunday school teachers. It is a list of names of musicians. There are elders and there are deacons. There's a list of preachers, some of whom were here for just very, very short periods of time. Others that stayed and raised families here. In other words, it's a record of faithfulness. And you and I are here today because of the faithfulness, their faithfulness to God, their faithfulness to this community, and their faithfulness to each other. And in the meantime, there's Jeremiah. Poor little Jeremiah. Poor Jeremiah preaching and being threatened with death and yet faithful to what he knows he has to say, what he knows he has to do. And yet it's not just about Jeremiah standing up for his, the, to the injustice of his day because a hundred years earlier, there was a little preacher from a little town who remained faithful. And I think the challenges, I think the challenges of a big world require voices from the little places. They need to hear the voices from the little places. They're going to kill Jeremiah, by the way. They're going to wipe him out. They do not like what Jeremiah has said. And you know, Jeremiah is ready for it. He's not changing his message. He's not taking back anything that he said. Verse 12 continues, Jeremiah spoke to all the officials and all the people saying, the Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and this city all the words you have heard. Now therefore mend your ways and your deeds and obey the voice of the Lord your God. And the Lord will relent of the disaster that He's pronounced against you. But as for me, behold, I'm in your hands. Do with me what seems good and right to you. Good and right. He has, he has told you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, what is right, but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. A hundred years later, I'm still hearing echoes of Micah from little Micah from little Morasheth. A hundred years later, those words still have echoes. Jeremiah has spoken out of his faithfulness to a God who said, let's give this a shot. Let's see what happens. And Jeremiah is completely in his hands and completely in the hands of of those who want to kill him. Verse 14, But as for me, behold, I am in your hands. Do with me as seems good and right to you. Only know for certain that if you put me to death, you will bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city and its inhabitants. For in truth, the Lord sent me to speak all of these words in your ears. I want to remind you again of where Jeremiah is. He's in Jerusalem. In other words, Jeremiah is in the big city. And he is in the courts of the temple where all the people come to worship. In fact, he's in the courts of the temple speaking and the people from the courts of the king of King Jehoiakim, they come running over to hear what Jeremiah has to say. 
And I know that then, just as in now, there is no consideration for the small people. For the, for the little people from the small towns. Certainly not for little preachers from little towns in the middle of nowhere. Who's going to remember the words of a small town preacher from a hundred years earlier? Well, not everyone wants to kill Jeremiah. And so some speak up. And if you look at verse 16, then the officials and all the people said to the priests and the prophets, this man does not deserve the sentence of death. For he has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. And certain of the elders of the land arose and spoke to all the assembled people saying, you know, Micah of Moresheth prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, a hundred years ago. And Micah said to all the people of Judah, thus says the Lord God of hosts, Zion shall be plowed as a field, Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the house a wooded height. Huh. He's, he's quoting from little Micah. Little Micah of Moresheth from a hundred years earlier. Specifically, he's quoting Micah chapter 3, verse 12. Now, Micah chapter 3 is very difficult. If you wanted to put your finger, leave your finger there in Jeremiah and flip back, it's on page 777 in those Bibles in front of you. Micah chapter 3 is a very difficult chapter. It begins with these words in chapter 3, verse 1. And I said, Micah said, Hear, you heads of Jacob. Hear, listen up. Listen up, you heads of Jacob. Speaking to those who were, uh, who were the counterparts to the people that, Mike, that, that Jeremiah is speaking to. Hear you heads of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know justice and kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Is it not for you to know justice, you who hate the good and love evil, you who tear the skin from off my people and their flesh from off their bones? Why were those bones in that valley, Ezekiel? Who had killed them? Who's responsible for their death? You who tear the skin from off my people and their flesh from off their bones, you who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them and break their bones into pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot like flesh in a cauldron? That, that doesn't sound adequate to me either. <laughs> that sounds rough. Micah is pronouncing judgment against the, the leaders, against the kings who have, who have failed to remain faithful. And chapter 3 ends in verse 12. There's verse 12 again. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins. And the mountain of the house, the, this mountain that we built this temple on, it's just going to be a wooded height. There will be nothing left to it. So what was the outcome? Did they want to kill Micah? No. In fact, the elders speaks on there in, in Jeremiah 26, verse 19. Did Hezekiah, king of Judah, and all of Judah put him to death? No. Did he, did Hezekiah not fear the Lord and entreat the favor of the Lord? And did not the Lord relent of the disaster that he had pronounced against them? But we are about to bring, we are about to bring great disaster upon ourselves. No, Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, listen. King Hezekiah repented, and, and along with him, all of Judah, all of Judah re repented with him. And God sent a revival in Hezekiah's day. 
The land returned to faithfulness, and for a hundred years the hand of the Lord was stayed against His people. Now here's, here's what I find interesting and a little disturbing. We've been reading through Micah. Micah never tells us that they repented. Micah never tells us that happened. Micah doesn't tell us about Hezekiah, that God relented of his, of his judgment. I wonder if Micah, little Micah and little Moresheth, I wonder if he ever even knew. Did word ever get to Moresheth? Oh yeah, by the way, all those things you said to Hezekiah, he listened to you. He changed his mind. He changed his heart. He repented. You and I read Micah chapter 3. It doesn't record Hezekiah's reforms. Doesn't record anything that sounds like a revival. I wonder if it took the perspective of a hundred years to fully see the effect of Micah's message. I, I wonder if Micah, Micah likely died never knowing the full effect of the words that he spoke. And this is why you and I have spent two months listening to Micah. Micah from Little Morasheth. Because you and I here in, here in Little Kansas, you and I need to always remember that the legacy of our faithfulness will bless those who come after us. I don't think Micah set out to be remembered. I don't think Micah was writing down his messages and speaking and thinking to himself, you know, one day some preacher in the middle of Illinois is going to preach a whole series of sermons and they're going to be great. They're going to love these sermons. I think Micah set out to be faithful. I think he set out to be faithful to God, to His Word, to His message. And in his day, King Hezekiah repented. King Hezekiah changed his heart and there was peace. And a hundred years later, a <clears throat> hundred years later, the words that Micah spoke were used to defend Jeremiah. Jeremiah, by the way, a major prophet. Not a minor prophet, a major prophet. Jeremiah, who we still read, we still quote. Jeremiah, who we find a lot of hope in the words of Jeremiah. And because of Micah's faithfulness, Jer Jeremiah chapter 26 ends in verse 24. But the hand of Ahiakim, the son of Shaphan, Shaphan was with Jeremiah so that he was not given over to the people to be put to death. That's how Jeremiah 26 ends, not with Jeremiah being killed. And then there are 26 more chapters to Jeremiah's message. It's not about being the center of attention. It's not about being the biggest church in the biggest city. It is about being faithful. Micah's message brought faithfulness and brought revival to his land. I think about a preacher named Zach. Zach Meerkrebs. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Zach Meerkrebs was invited to speak at the chapel of Asbury College on February 8th of this year. Zach preached his message. It wasn't much to it. Honestly, I went back and listened to it and I said, that's it. That's all there is. And Zach felt the same way, by the way. He left chapel that day and sent a message to his wife and he wrote to her, Late a stinker. I'm on my way home. I've been there, Zach. <laughs> and he, what he didn't know at that time was that thousands would fill that chapel at Asbury for weeks 
And I guarantee you, this, this generation, the effects of that revival will define this generation. I think about that kind of faithfulness. I think about our friend David, Dave Butts. I think about our friend Dave Butts. And two weeks ago, listening to Focus on the Family, honoring him and remembering Dave's ministry, Dave and Kim's prayer ministry. I think about Dave who would tell you that he learned so much about prayer from the faithful old saints, many of whom you could name, the faithful old saints in this church who taught him to pray. They taught Dave to pray. And then Dave and Kim taught the world to pray. Think about those pictures out there in the hallway. I hope you've taken time to look at those pictures in that hallway. Pictures of people like Bill Holly, Kurt Spies, Clark Irwin. Faithful preachers who love Jesus. I think about pictures out there like Josiah Nichols just finding his voice and finding his way in ministry. I think about pictures out there like Bob Motley, our neighbor, Bob, who works all week and then serves as a youth minister, as a part-time youth minister. I think about the picture of Mike Nichols out there. Mike, who took the Word of God to Africa, who changed lives, who, who built churches and communities. Mike, who came back to Lincoln Christian University and taught a whole new generation of missionaries, took the, world, took the Word around the world. I think about the picture back there of our own Hannah Bremner, now a Christian preschool teacher. And I realize that generations will come who love Jesus in part because of the faithfulness of this church. And I look at that bulletin board and I wonder whose picture goes up there next? What picture goes on that bulletin board next? Because I know that God is not done. I know that God is not done with us. His faithfulness continues. I think about a song that I've recently become acquainted with by Andrew Peterson. A song called Planting Trees. I don't know if you've heard Andrew Peterson's song, Planting Trees. By the way, do you know, do you know when the best time to plant a tree is? 30 years ago was the best time to plant a tree. Do you know when the second best time to plant a tree is? It's today. Andrew Peterson sings, We chose the spot, we dug the hole, we laid the maples in the ground to have and to hold as autumn falls to winter's sleep. And we pray that somehow in the spring the roots grow deep. And then he sings on, and I don't think he's talking about trees. And many years from now, long after we are gone, these trees will spread their branches out and bless the dawn. And many years from now, long after we are gone, these trees will spread their, spread their branches out and bless the dawn. The legacy of our faithfulness will bless those who come after us. In Micah's day, things were bad. There was unfaithfulness. There was oppression of those who were poor and weak. There was hypocrisy and there was evil, but the Word of God endured. A hundred years later, in Jeremiah's day, things were so much worse. The Babylonians were coming against them. They were going to take them away. A thousand miles away. The enemy was coming. Death was certain. And there was unfaithfulness. There was oppression to the weak and the poor. There was hypocrisy and there was evil, but the Word of God endured. 
I don't know what Kansas, Illinois is going to look like a hundred years from now. And I don't know that our words are going to be remembered. I don't know that our names are going to be remembered by those who come after us. But I do know this. The Word of God will endure. And I know that a hundred years from now, Jesus Christ will still save. And so for you and me, let's do justice. Let's love kindness. And let's walk humbly with our Lord. And if we do those three things, I think that'll be adequate. Let's take a moment and pray.